This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Achilles. Here today, Zach Wilson was on the field for 15 dropbacks, and he was sacked four times. So that means every single time he dropped back, there was more than a 25% chance that he would be sacked. And once again, the Jets, frankly, are non-competitive. And now we can just get on with it. I mean, you could get on with it anyway. The Giants, you held out a sliver of hope. There were Giants, and we'll get to them in a moment. But it's always easy to compare the two teams because so often these years, they're in the same situation, and they're right back there again this year. And they came in with the identical five and eight records. But the Giants, you at least had a sliver of hope because you allowed yourself to believe, well, if you beat New Orleans on the road, and the Saints are a beatable team, by the way, and if you beat the Rams at home in a couple of weeks, and like I said earlier, the Rams look good, but they beat up on Washington today, and they're a 500 team. Then if you could figure out a way to maybe win one out of two games against Philadelphia, maybe things could break your way, and at 8-9, and nine, you could sneak into the playoffs. Well, that that's over today. For the Jets, there was no such scenario. Before today, there was an outside chance, and that's changed today because a lot of teams on the cusp, like the Rams and like the Saints, like the Buccaneers, a lot of teams like uh, in that seven and six, seven and seven area won today. So before today, you would have said maybe an eight and nine team can get into the playoffs as a wild card in the NFC. But because of those wins for the Rams and for the Saints and for the Buccaneers, that's looking increasingly unlikely. So that means nine and eight, you need to get in. The Giants are five and nine. So they're pretty much done. The Jets are officially done. And in the AFC, you're going to need you're going to need 10 wins. You're going to need 10 wins to get one of those three wild card spots in the AFC. And the Jets before today, the most games they could have won were nine. And obviously they're stuck at five and nine. And now they go from, well, it's not really realistic to talk about to now they're officially eliminated with a record of five and nine. And and it's more than just the playoff misses. I mean, this is eight straight losing seasons. And this is Robert Sala now coming to the end of his third year with a record of 16 and 32. And this is a big one for me. And I've referred to this also. This is since Sala took over as head coach in the months of December and January, the Jets are two and 13 under him. Aren't teams under good coaches supposed to get better as the season goes on? The Jets, especially the last two years, last year seven and four, this year four and three, the Jets get off to decent starts and they give you hope that even with inferior or non-existent quarterback play, they could still hang in the playoff race. And just when you're on board and just when you buy into that hope that their defense presents, they go into the tank for the final month, two months of the season. It happened last year when they went from seven and four to seven and 10. And now this year they went from four and three to five and nine. So last year, oh, and six to finish the season. This season, there's three more games, but you're already one and six in your last seven games. And I've praised Salah where I feel it's appropriate. I think he's put together a good defense. It's clearly not only the strength of his team, because it's not hard to have a unit be, as a unit, be the strength of his team, because if you're not the offense, you're pretty much going to be the strength of this Jets team. But it's a strength. It's more than just the strength of a bad team. It's a strength. Their defense is a strength, and it's one of the best ones in the NFL. 
And today was another situation. I know they gave up 30 points, but they didn't give up a ton of yards. Today was another situation where the numbers for the Jets defense look worse than they actually are. Why? Because the Jets offense gives them absolutely no support. And this defense at this stage of the season, for all that they've had to do to just keep the Jets in games that usually they ultimately lose anyway, they have expended a lot of energy doing that. And they're tired. They're a tired defense, and they played like that today. Miami's also a difficult offense to keep up with, even without Tyreek Hill. You take Tyreek Hill out, Jalen Waddell hits you. Eight catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert, two more touchdowns. Guys having a fantastic resurgence season. The Dolphins now 10-4, and four, and the Jets are headed for their eighth consecutive losing season, which also now brings into question the Aaron Rodgers situation, because there's a chance if you continue to believe what you read and what is reported. And at this point, why would we not? Because it's being written and reported every single day. There's a good chance that Rodgers could be cleared to play this week. There's three games left for the Jets. And like I said, they're officially eliminated now. So the question you have to ask yourself, why on earth, why on earth would Aaron Rodgers ever ever come back behind this offensive line. If you're a Jets fan, if you're in the Jets front office, first of all, if you're in the Jets front office, I, I've got to believe the last thing you want is for Aaron Rodgers to come back and play this season. If you're realistic, because next off season is going to be like last off season. As long as Rodgers is here, there's still going to be hope. There's still going to be optimism. Now, maybe in light of what happened this season, some of the talk about, being a championship contender or a championship favorite or a Super Bowl contender, maybe some of that talk will be tempered. But if Rodgers is cleared and is healthy and has a full offseason, then the offseason leading into next year will be very similar to the offseason leading into this year. And that was a great offseason. The Jets won the offseason. Rodgers won it. Salah won it. Joe Douglas won it. Woody Johnson won it. They dominated the offseason this year. Unfortunately, once the season started, or I should say once it got to its midway point, the Jets were, again, one of the worst teams during the regular season. But if you're gearing up to make another run at this with this defense that, and you got to look at the Jets defense last year, they had done it for the first time. The defense was the reason they got to seven and four. And they fell apart at the end because Wilson went in the tank. Mike White had one good game, and the last month and a half, they did not have a representative starting quarterback. That's why they finished the season 0-6. But with the defense, you weren't 100% in. You saw great signs. They had a really good season. But the thing that lingered in the back of my mind anyway was, well, they've only done it once. Is this defense for real, or did they catch people by surprise this year? This defense is for real. I mean, they've now done this two years in a row, and it's a shame for the defense. Because they're sitting there at five and nine, and this is easily, easily a playoff caliber defense. So you take that defense, you bring back Aaron Rodgers next season, maybe you fortify the wide receiver core and give him more to work with than just Garrett Wilson, who's fantastic, but as proved today, certainly can't do it on his own. And then most importantly, most importantly, you've got to put an offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers, and that is absolutely, absolutely 
stating the obvious. So why would you bring him back now that you are officially eliminated for any of these final three games behind this offensive line and jeopardize everything I just described next offseason leading into next season? That would absolutely be foolish. But the big question surrounding that is whose decision is it going to be? Is it going to be Woody Johnson's decision? What's it do with Aaron Rodgers, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala? Or is that decision going to be made by Aaron Rodgers himself, whether or not he gets back on the field for these final three games? How important? Look, Aaron Rodgers has an ego the size of Montana. How important is it for him to prove that he can defy science and modern medicine and get back on the field three months? after suffering an injury that knocks mere mortals out for entire seasons. Is that more important to him than getting his body right to take another and perhaps one final run at this next year with the Jets? And a lot of importance is going to be on whose decision is that going to be. 1-800-919-3776. We'll talk about the Giants as well. Go through week 15 in the NFL. We'll do a little Knicks talk. We'll mix that in over the next three hours. I'll be here till midnight. Coming up next, Alan Hahn will join me. We'll talk about NFL Sunday, where the Jets go from here, where the Giants go from here, and uh, anything else on his mind. It's Pat O'Keefe with you on this Sunday night on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Part of the Jets, 30 to nothing loss to the Dolphins. And Bob describing it accurately. Ashton Davis will not get close. The Jets, once again, will not get close to the playoffs. They fall to five and nine, officially eliminated from postseason contention for the 13th consecutive season, which, as I continue to say and marvel over, that's very, very difficult to do in today's NFL. Pat O'Keefe with you. Uh, Alan Hahn, special guest on this Sunday night, hopping on with us right now. Of course, you're here on weekdays with Bart, Barton Hahn, 12 to 3, right here on ESPN New York. And Alan, I know you were consuming all the games throughout the day. Morning for you out here in Los Angeles, but afternoon for those that are listening in New York. And with the Jets, it, it almost seems with the Wilson injury, with the 102 total yards of offense, with the shutout, it almost seems appropriate that it ended officially this way. Yeah, probably because of the way the offense just looked. But it the appropriateness of it is that the problem from the very beginning, as much as we've all focused on the quarterback, the reason why Aaron Rodgers got hurt was because of the offensive line. And the offensive line just has been that continued problem this whole year. And so while, you know, the anticipation of Aaron Rodgers coming back next year or even if it's next week or whatever – if they don't fix this problem, which is the line, there's nothing else to talk about. But it's a very difficult thing to fix. And it's between both New York football teams, too. It's incredible that both teams have the same problem that doesn't allow us to really, truly assess what they are. So unless Joe Douglas and the Jets go out and correct the major issue of this team, then next year will look just like this year. And the Aaron Rodgers experiment will be a failure. So that's, you know, you meant- seeing that game and seeing, you know, seeing, Pat, seeing Zach Wilson on the like, first series of the game, running for his life, right out of the gate, and hearing Robert Sala continually say 
that they got beat at the line. I mean, he was telling you, playing his day, why couldn't you run offense? Why couldn't you run the ball? Why couldn't you? Because the offensive line was horrible. They have to fix it. Why in anybody's right mind would they put Aaron Rodgers out there behind this offensive line? The Jets are officially eliminated right now. I don't care if it's the Hogs from Washington in the 1980s. I don't care if it's the 2007 Giants. I don't care if it's the 1998 Broncos. Why would Aaron Rodgers go out there behind this offensive line at this point in the season? I think he does it. This is See, I've been saying this all along. I believe the script would be hand it off three times, get off the field safely, and then you can complete the improbable comeback. The first home game of the season, you got hurt. The last home game of the season, you returned. And that's it. And he doesn't have to come. And nobody would expect him to come back on the field. Just do that so that you prove you can make it back. But you're right. To have him drop back under center, like to have him just do a drop back, with the pressure that you know that team, even Washington, as bad as they are, and they're bad, you know, they can still get after the quarterback even after giving up two of the guys that they gave up that normally get after the quarterback. They can still do it. It would be franchise malpractice to have him drop back and try to throw passes and play a full game in an NFL game with that offensive line and the condition that it's in, especially if Makai Becton is going to continue to just whiff the way he did today. That was embarrassing tape for Makai Becton today. Yeah, another guy who had a lot of hope beginning this season, a strong training camp, and look where we are right now. Um, Zach Wilson, is is this the last we, we see of him in the Jets uniform? Yeah, I mean, we, it's funny. We said it the last time, right, when, he, when they finally replaced him, and then they had to bring him back because the other two quarterbacks were terrible. So if he clears uh, concussion protocol, you can't play Trevor Simeon. Right, Pat? You can't. Like, he's not good. Like we've seen enough, at least with Zach Wilson, when he has time and some protection, the guy can throw a pass. Like we have to understand that this wasn't Zach Wilson sucks today. This was the offensive line was horrible and he had no chance. And then he had a, a head injury, which you're now concerned with, but no, I don't think it's the last we've seen him until we get to the end of this season. Because if, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play all these games or play at all. But if you're going to play anyone, if, if you watch the game today, I still would rather have Zach Wilson out there than Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I agree with that. Alan Hahn, co-host of Barton Hahn, weekdays noon to 3 Eastern on 98.7 ESPN New York. Um, looking ahead to the offseason, assuming Rodgers comes back healthy, irregardless of what he does over these next three weeks, whether he returns or not, he comes back healthy. You've got to think that Joe Douglas priorities one, two, and three are going to be sh to shore up this offensive line. Is there still, I'm not going to say the same amount, but is there close to the same amount of optimism that this team can be a playoff contender next year, considering how the defense played this season? Yeah, I, you would think so. But now because of what we saw this year, don't you think it's going to feel like there'll be that typical Jets pessimism? I think the optimism was all this year because you thought last year they finished, they had a little bit of a flurry. You saw some, some signs of life. They had a good record at one point early in the season. And so you felt like, boy, with good quarterback play, this team could be great. So that was the anticipation, but because of how bad things look this year and the, the questions about the team being ready to play. I mean, the coaching staff is getting questioned now. 
And last week's win sort of looks like the reason why you dominated that game is because you know D'Amico Ryans, you know everything that he's going to do, and you prepared your offense for it, right? Because he had the cheat code because they know each other well from the 49ers days. So that looks like that more than ever. So you know, to answer your question, I mean, I, I think there'll be so much – I don't want to say pessimism, but it's more of just like the hesitancy to want to trust it or believe it you have to see it now. So I think actually, while everything was off the charts this off season, I mean, the most fun time was during hard knocks. I mean, that was the, the height of the season. I just don't think we're going to have that same kind of vibe this year until we get into the season. And they're almost going to have to prove when what we see in live action that we can start trusting it. But I mean, if they don't fix this line, there's no reason to trust it. I mean, I'm torn on Robert Sala, too, because outside of Aaron yeah. Rodgers coming back, the, the biggest reason why – the first of all, the biggest reason why he came here was because of the Jets' defense and what they did last year and what they're capable of doing. And mm -hmm. I think they went out and proved it again this season. Alan, this was a really good defense. I don't care that they gave 30 points today. This is a really good Jets' defense. They just got tired in spots because they had to do too much. So you have to give Sala credit for that. He's a defensive coach. He comes from a defensive background. But at some point, you know, he right. loses two out of three games he coaches with the Jets. And the big number that gets me in December and January as the Jets head coach now, they're 2-13. and 13. Teams, and you and I talk about this with the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau all the time. Tom Thibodeau's teams get better as the season goes on. Last quarter of right. the season, his teams are better. He's an excellent coach. Robert Salas' teams are 2-13 and 13 in December and January. The Jets under him are not only not getting better – they're getting worse. Yes, exactly right. And, and you know, you can find all the different excuses for it, injuries and everything else, but it is a fact that he can't avoid. And I agree, too, about today with the defense. I mean, they had they were constantly under pressure. The field never flipped. You know, they were always giving them good field position. And, yeah, I mean, they weren't great on third down. I mean, there were still some issues on, the, on that, but that's still a great Miami offense. And so you were going to, you know, it wasn't like you were going to hold them to 12 points, right? You're going you're gonna to have to score in this game to win. So that's, that, that is something that I think I would not look at it and think the defense is, was a problem or the problem. But I also overlook it like this, like that your, your head coach is your CEO. He oversees everything. And like you mentioned the losing record in December, I'm also talking about managing things. And I, like, I just don't know, do you have the right guy as the head coach of this team? And, you know, I mean, again, I, I go back to the fact that guy's texting with a, a former radio host I mean, come on man like what like are you serious like this we're gonna start doing this now you're gonna make friends like that like and, you know and then of course the guy runs his mouth about him which was dumb but that's what happens when you get into relationships with people that are the type that you know do their living on the mic they, this is what they do so I, I question that judgment and then of course it's how he handled the quarterback stuff how he's handled a lot of these things as the head coach. Can't argue about the defense, but it's the CEO part of it that does make you wonder, you know, do they have the right guy? But that with Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to make a lot of changes. And I would say the bigger question, not only with the offensive line, is, is Nathaniel Hackett the right play caller? Well, he might be the right play caller for Aaron Rodgers, which is we'll only know that next year when they're together again. Because if you listen to the players – there's a great amount of frustration about a lack of creativity with the offense. Brees Hall talks about it. Garrett Wilson talks about it. I know Alan Lazard today got, got pretty um, direct about his criticism of play calls. Yes. 
Yes. So if you know what they're doing with the offensive line in some of these sets too, with some of these offensive linemen, like they, you can't do that. Keep it simple. With someone you're when you're down to your, you know, third string, fourth string offensive lineman. So is that a question that's going to be answered, Pat? Like you think you think they're going to do that? You think they're going to tell Aaron Rodgers, "Hey, we're going to fire your buddy that's your offensive coordinator because he didn't do a good job this year." No, they're not. So we'll only know next year if Aaron Rodgers is healthy whether or not Nathaniel Hackett is a good offensive coordinator as long as he has Aaron Rodgers under center. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. How And this is coming from somebody, in my case, that's never called an offensive play above second-grade flag football. How difficult is it to call <laughs> offensive plays when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback? <laughs> Ask Josh McDaniels when he had Tom Brady <laughs> and then when he had Derek Carr. How'd that look? <laughs> a little different. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's talk more about Sterling quarterback play in this town. The Tommy DeVito story was great, but you look at the three Oof. weeks, Washington, terrible team. Saw them in person today. Yep. Terrible team. Uh, New England, terrible mm-hmm. team. And then, look, that Monday night game was – everything just came together. You, you had a Green Bay team that was probably punching above its weight class for a couple of weeks. It was an emotional crowd because they had the two-game winning streak. They really got behind this kid. But it, it all came crashing to an end today in New Orleans. In, it's this Linsanity story. Like, like we, with so many, how many times have we referenced Linsanity? And it was always like you're going to run into that moment where a team, and you saw the Saints defense, they were doing the, you know, the hand gesture thing every time they sacked him seven times. And it, it felt like every time they sacked him, they did the hand gesture, you know? And, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you could tell. All right, so we, we, we've read all the clippings, we know all about it, we've heard the story, Tommy Cutlet, the whole thing. So the Saints were there. That defense was there to put an end to it, to put a stop to it. You know, I always point to with when Linsanity, I always call it the day Linsanity died is when the Knicks went down to Miami and that really good Heat team, they, they stuck a defense on the, on Jeremy Lin that Jeremy just was bottled up and beaten up the whole game. And he just was never the same after that. The vibe kind of was gone. Didn't mean he wasn't a good player, but it was just, he just the vibe was gone. Is this that same thing? That would be fair too. That hit, man, that was bull. I mean, how is that not a flag? Yeah. Clearly hit in the back, clearly was sliding, and then this, the hit caused the head contact on the turf, and we're, not, we're picking that flag up? Are you crazy? Like, that's a, and, and Brian Dable couldn't say anything. He doesn't want to get fined and all that other stuff. But anybody watching that game, and we, we were all together. We found a place here in Santa Monica, and uh, it was actually a Bills, a Buffalo Bills fan bar. But – they didn't play till later, so they weren't coming in. So before it was just other fans of other teams and stuff. And everybody watched and saw that replay. And the whole bar was like, oh, and then the flag comes up. We're like, what? And we all agreed. Like that was, you know, that should have been a penalty. I don't think he played terrible. I think for the Giants, it just, you know, like this was a reminder really that you're not, you're not who you think you are. And they have, they have a ways to go. Derek Carr played great against Wink Martindale's defense too. What, what do you make of the Giants season? Because three weeks ago, there was talk about tanking for the number one overall pick or the number two and yeah. restarting at the quarterback position. That's out the window now because of that three-game winning streak. So, you know, you're five and nine. You're not going to the playoffs. You still have two games to go against the Eagles. And you're pretty much, as far as the draft <laughs> is concerned, stuck in no man's land. So what do you make of the Giants season? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I just a terrible start. The injuries, you know, Saquon Barkley injury out of the gate was a, a brutal one. And then losing Daniel Jones as well. 
I still give Dable credit because they got down to their third-string quarterback, and he was able to make something out of it, which showed you this guy can coach, right? So any of the questions early in the season after the 1-5 and five start or whether or not Dable's the right guy, that has to go out the window. But, you know, reality sets in with two games against the Eagles, and I guess now it's you'll have a top-10 pick, right? I don't think they'd fall out of the top-10. So there'll be yeah. a top-10 pick. It could be a little bit higher. And you start asking that question now of what do you do with that pick? There'll be quarterbacks available. There'll be a wide receiver potentially available. And you can also get better on the offensive line. Three areas that they have to think about. And, you know, that would also, I'll tell you what, if they take a quarterback, well, you know that Daniel Jones is on borrowed time. But if they go, if they have the opportunity to get, let's say Marvin Harrison, or if they get one of the, you know, one of the tackles um, that they could get, or offensive linemen, even. They don't, I don't know if they necessarily need a tackle. The point is, is that what they do in the draft will say a lot about how they feel about Daniel Jones' long-term future and also how they feel about Tommy DeVito as a backup quarterback. Alan Hanna, Barton Hahn, a couple more minutes with him on this Sunday evening. Um, you guys consumed all the action today. You mentioned you were among Buffalo Bills fans. And, uh, boy, mm-hmm. a statement win for them and, and – Really, for the Cowboys, who had been going so well coming into this game, coming off their huge win over the Eagles, um, falling back to earth at 31-10 final score. Uh, Buffalo just runs it down their throat. And now here we are again um, as we approach the playoffs. These questions Mm -hmm. about the Cowboys and who have they actually beaten if you go through their schedule, here they are again front and center. Always happens, doesn't it? Always happens. And while this focus really should be on Buffalo and what they did and, you know, how they've kind of answered the bell here the last couple of weeks. And uh, it just, it seems like for Dallas, whenever they start to prosper, they always have something that kind of makes them crash and bring it, you know, bring it down to earth. And I think that's what we're seeing here. But I, I think for the Cowboys, you kind of needed this. Right, because if they if it goes too well here, I always say with the Cowboys, they're like a lot of different teams. But the Cowboys are a franchise where at this point it doesn't matter what they do in December, it matters what they do in January, because that's where they've had their biggest issues of, of really doing something when it matters most. So maybe a game like this kicks them back into, hey, you know, you, you're not you're not who you think you are, and you still have a lot of work to do, and gets them a little more refocused. I mean, look, they're still going to make the playoff team, right? They still will see what happens with the Eagles. Uh, against Seattle, but they still uh, could win that division and still have home games and everything else. So all that's in front of them, but it's that one game, and man, did they look good. Uh, I mean, man, did they look bad, I should say. Looked horrific in a game that you thought would be a good game. It wasn't a good game at all. So I just think for the Cowboys, I know we're going to have fun with it in the media. You know Stephen A. will because it's who they are. It's the brand. But in a weird way, as I saw the score getting worse and worse, I just said to myself, this is exactly what they needed. And in January, if they win a playoff game or two, you look back and think this was that sort of comeuppance they needed to get their mind right or whatever it was. Because it's like in Dallas when they do, I've, I know former Cowboys have told me that. When you start playing well, you get gassed up so much that it, it causes games like this to happen. So we'll see if later on, they look back on this game as one that kind of reset them or refocused them and everything else. I don't know if they're that bad, but man, the Bills made them look bad.
They're 10 and four. Now they have clinched a spot in the playoffs. And yes, like you said, the division in the NFC East is still there for them. Um, by the way, no yeah. surprise. Stephen A. has already weighed in on the Cowboys, thirty-one to ten. I saw, to yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> couldn't help to find that on Instagram. The minute, the yeah. minute you see him turn his head, you're like, "Oh, here it comes." Yeah, he'll have fun tomorrow on on first take. There's no doubt. That's what I mean. Like he'll have fun with it because it's always in the moment. But I don't know. Does that make sense to you, though, Pat? Like you get what I'm saying, right? It's certain teams where you just take that gut punch loss. And it's just like that reset you kind of need because everybody's feeling good. Oh, Dak's going to be the MVP and this defense, and maybe it's the Cowboys that can win the Super Bowl. Like, it just starts to become too much where, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Win all these games now in December. When January comes around, you guys get soft and you don't win. So if I'm a fan, it bothers you, but it's just that, okay, good. Take this hit now so that you – you're ready for what you need to be ready for when you get to January. You get what I'm saying on that, right? That makes sense. Happens all the time, especially in football. The 49ers lost to the Bengals by two touchdowns at home in late October, and they haven't lost since. Yeah. So it happens, especially in football all the time. Um, Well, you and Barter together tomorrow. You're doing the bi-coastal thing again tomorrow, right? Yes, yeah, like downtown LA hosting there with Bart, um, finishing up this road trip with you and everybody else here at the Knicks try to uh try to at least get a split. If they can beat the Lakers, they'd still get a split on this trip, which you know, you and I both know. I mean, the Utah loss was the one that really bothers you the most. But things uh, against the Clippers last night, um, that was a tough second half to watch. But if you can if you can salvage a split, I think you know, you fly home feeling pretty good about the trip out here to the West. So we'll see if they can get that done. And then, and then we head downhill into the Christmas break with um, a, a great, how about the bucks getting two games at the garden for Christmas? I mean, what, what, like everything you can possibly throw at the Knicks in these first 35 games, the NBA has thrown at them. It's it's a, this schedule is amazing what they're dealing with right now. We're going to give you two home games in the month of December, and by the way, three home <laughs> games, excuse me, and two of them are going to be against right. the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and, and last thing before I let you go, we we do in person tomorrow get to see LeBron raise a banner. <laughs> they put up the in season tournament banner, and they will put the year on, and then they'll see how many more. But, you know, and that's getting mocked too. But I'll tell you what, it's not getting mocked nearly as much. And let's be honest. Like, if the Knicks had won this thing, do you, do you, can you imagine how many jokes and how many comments and how much, like, the Knicks would be, and the league is saying, you know, you got to hang a banner. Because yeah. if you're the Knicks, you're like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this. Like, we're not, we're not doing this. But no, the league's making you do it. It's like, oh, great. Because you know, everybody will have all the jokes. But it's the Lakers. They're a big brand. They have 17 championships. It's LeBron. So while some people are snickering, everybody else is like, yep, okay, go ahead, put it up. You know, it's, it's not as a big a deal. But I'm telling you, the, the Knicks win this thing, and you would have never heard the end of it about them putting up a banner. It's like, and I always tease Mets fans about this. I don't know if you remember this. But do you remember when they had, there was a, um, at Shea Stadium, it said wild card winner. Do you remember <laughs> when do. they had that next to, it was, it was next to their, their, World Series, World Series, wild card winner. And I would look at that like, are you serious? Wild card winner? That's what we're doing? We're putting up something for that? So that's, it's almost akin to that. 
<laughs> well, we'll be there in person. Uh, no, no word on whether or not LeBron is trying to count that as his fifth championship and pull one ring closer to Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, you, 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 take the, you take the bubble, you take the bubble and you put this one, you put it together, and you have a, a real championship. Even on his day off, Alan Hahn, kind enough to come on with us and chat about the day in the NFL. Alan, we'll be listening tomorrow at noon, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow as well. Thanks a lot. And you're going to see me later. You're buying me dinner for this, right? I, thought that I do. Yes, that, that was the agreement that we made. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Pat. All right. Alan Hahn out here on the West Coast with me. He'll be on the MSG TV broadcast of our Knicks and Lakers with Mike Breen. Uh, I'm, of course, on the radio broadcast here on ESPN New York with Monica McNutt tomorrow. So having a good time out here. And, yeah, big game for the Knicks as well. we got plenty to get into. 1-800-919-3776. Want to hear from you, your thoughts on the Jets and the Giants and where they stand right now. And we'll go around the NFL also on this Sunday night. Pat will keep with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is is the Pat O'Keefe Show. You look at the playoff picture in the AFC right now with three games remaining for most teams. The only three teams that have officially been eliminated are the Patriots, the Tennessee Titans, and the Jets. And that's part of the problem for the Jets. It's not just the eight straight losing seasons. It's not just the 13 times in a row missing the playoffs, which continues to be the current longest streak for the four major North American professional sports leagues. It's not just that, but, you know, they, they can't give you even a season. I mean, think about this. During the stretch of 13 straight years missing the playoffs, it began with the Victor Cruz play. The Jets that day were um, 7-7 seven and seven at MetLife Stadium. And they were playing the Giants on Christmas Eve, and it was a tight game in the second quarter. And Eli Manning from his one-yard line threw the ball to Victor Cruz, who ran up the right sideline 99 yards. And the game turned there. The season for both the Giants and the Jets turned there. The Jets at that point, the Jets took the field that day at MetLife Stadium. In their minds, in Rex Ryan's mind was win this game against a beatable opponent, which the Giants were at that point because they were also 7-7, seven and seven, and put ourselves in position to go to the playoffs for a third consecutive season. And if you were the Jets or you were a Jets fan at that time, you're thinking just get us into the playoffs because what have we proven each of the last two years? We proved that once we get into the playoffs, we are a dangerous team with our running game and, most importantly, our defense. And I know that Jets team was not as good as the previous two iterations of the Jets. But if you think about that season, and that would be considered a team that went down to the final week of the regular season with a chance to go to the playoffs, okay? In this 13-season streak of missing the playoffs, only one other time have the Jets even gotten to the final week of the regular season with a playoff spot up for grabs? And unfortunately, the second time was in 2015, and that was probably more painful because the Jets were in position that year to grab a playoff spot with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. All they had to do was beat, and here is that name again, Rex Ryan's Buffalo Bills team, and they were unable to do that. They missed the postseason 
And not only haven't they made the postseason since, they haven't sniffed the postseason since. And here you are again. Even the Raiders, who a month ago fired their head coach and fired their general manager and completely cleaned house and hired an interim head coach with no experience in that role. They hired, you know, an assistant coach. Yes, I'm not trying to demean Antonio Pierce's coaching ability, but they hired a linebacker who feels like he was just playing, you know, five years ago as their head coach. And even the Raiders at six and eight are not eliminated from playoff contention. Even the Chargers, after being embarrassed on national television, on prime video, on Thursday night against the Raiders, are not officially eliminated yet. But yep, there the Jets are. If you look at the standings on ESPN.com, to the left of the New York Jets logo is that all too familiar lowercase e, signifying that they are eliminated from postseason contention. So 13 straight years out of the playoffs, and 11 of those 13 years, they don't even make it to the final week of the regular season before officially being eliminated. And they have three games to go. And they took the field today, not officially eliminated, but for all intents and purposes, eliminated from playoff contention. But now they make it official and they join the Titans who are having a season from hell for them and the New England Patriots who are having their worst year in three decades. And that's the company that the Jets keep, except in the Jets case like we spoke about with Allen before, and like I touched on at the beginning of the broadcast. In the Jets' case, just think of how this season began and how high those expectations were. So where do we go from here? Well, we'll get reaction from the Jets. We'll get reaction from the Giants on both of their losses earlier today and your calls as well, 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York.